Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <clears throat> You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, <laughs> culture, adventures, and ghosts. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. G'day everyone, welcome to News Fighters. It's episode 95 for Friday, the 11th of March. 2022 News Fighters, the show where influencers flock to Byron Bay for its warmth, beachy beauty, and cool creative vibes to negotiate life and love. I'm your host, Dylan Bain, the Shane Warren of Wacky Clips. But first, of course, to the single biggest phenomenon that's been impacting Australia this week. Well, with so much bad news in the world right now, our next guests will surely brighten your day. Peanut the squirrel was adopted at five weeks old after he was found wandering alone along a busy street. He's since gone on to become a social media sensation with millions of views on his Instagram and TikTok videos. Yes, thank you, Studio 10. Good to know that in times of plague, war and floods, you remain Australia's number one source for heartwarming squirrel adoption stories. Now, as much as I'd love to dedicate this entire episode to squirrels, I'm not going to be able to because of all the wild weather that's been impacting Australia's east coast the past fortnight. Tonight, you have never seen anything like this. New South Wales in crisis. Lismore is post-apocalyptic. A natural disaster of a scale we have never seen. A catastrophe never seen before. A natural disaster on a scale never seen before. 40,000 people evacuated and 300,000 told to prepare to leave. We've never seen anything like it. Yes, we've never seen anything like it, said 10 Sandra Sully on March the 1st, and she was right, until she said the exact same thing a week later on March the 8th. Evacuation orders affecting 40,000 people. We have never seen anything like it. Of course, this is all very reminiscent of exactly what happened in New South Wales this time last year. Uh, you might remember this montage from last March. It'll be a one in five, one in ten or one in twenty year event. The most dangerous weather system in 40 years. A once in 50 year rainfall event. What might be the worst flooding in 60 years. The one in a hundred year weather event. And well, this year they've upped the ante entirely and started the bidding at one in a hundred years. We haven't had an event like this in a hundred years. I'm advised it's a one in five hundred year flood. And this is a one in a one thousand year event. It's a one in three thousand five hundred year event. You know what's funny though is uh, all this talk about these floods being a one in five hundred year or a one in a thousand year event didn't ring true to these locals who've experienced flooding a lot lately. They say it's a one in one hundred flood. 
What happened? We've, we've had this is our third one in two years. About four times over the last ten years now. I think we've had like three floods now in the last like five years. Two or two years. So it's the third year in the rows. The equestrian centre's been inundated twice in five days. Yes, one in a thousand years, twice in five days. Who's keeping track, really? And just like with all the other major catastrophes that have struck Australia in the last few years, once again. The government was nowhere to be seen. With the state emergency service overwhelmed, it was a citizen's armada of dinghies, jet skis and kayaks who floated to the rescue. There are still towns and farmers that are cut off with no access to food, water, petrol. Many are saying that um, they haven't seen any emergency services or ADF personnel. A group of volunteer pilots joined Angel Flight today to carry much-needed donations to the flood-affected region of Lismore. They're all using their own aircraft to transport the goods. They were forced to crowdfund helicopters and put untrained volunteers in charge of emergency rescues. As the clean-up gets underway in parts of northern New South Wales, residents have received some star-studded support. Yeah, actor Liam Hemsworth and brother Luke have been spotted helping locals alongside tennis legend Pat Rafter. Today it was the Hemsworths, Luke and Liam, who joined the effort. Okay, okay, what the hell is wrong with this country when we are depending on rich people donating crowdfunded helicopters to deliver goods to stranded people? And, I'm sorry, the Hemsworths are arriving head of the Defence Forces to help flood victims? The Hemsworths! Honey, what's that on the horizon? Is it is it the police? The SES? The army? No, wait, it's... It's the actor from the much maligned 2016 Ghostbusters reboot who played the hunky secretary. Ah, damn, I was hoping it'd be uh, Paul Rudd from the new Ghostbusters reboot. So with our defence forces more absent than Peter Dutton's eyebrows, the defence minister himself went on breakfast television to defend the absence of the troops that he's in charge of. Are you embarrassed that ordinary Australians are having to do so much work in this? Ordinary Australians are having to get themselves to remote areas in their dinghies, wading through floodwaters to help people to take them food and to make sure they're all right. No, Koshi, I mean, that's the Australian spirit. Uh, that's what you and I would do for our neighbours. Absolutely. It's what and people do We want extremists. the ADF to do that for so, us no, as well. No, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by that. And the ADF is doing it. And I'm just not going to cop criticism of, of the ADF. And again, I'm just not going to cop criticism of these guys who, and girls who, who do an amazing job. Yeah, not criticising the people on the ground, just there aren't enough there. Um, and residents sounds a, are having sounds a to bit do- like it, Koshi. Wow, more deflection than the world's biggest mirror. Can you just imagine if Peter Dutton was like health minister? Mr. Dutton, why did you shut down all the public hospitals and turn them into rifle ranges and casinos? Look, I'm not going to cop criticism of our healthcare workers. No, mate, that's not what we're talking about. It's about you not doing your job properly. Koshi summed it up best by saying this. God help us, if we were going to war, we wouldn't stand a chance if it took this long to get ourselves organised. Now, I reckon the first thing we do if we go to war is we just draft the Hemsworths and Pat Rafter and uh, put them in charge. They seem to know what to do. And speaking of Peter Dutton, when the floods first hit Queensland at the end of February, uh, he made sure to immediately spring into action and mobilise all the available military resources at his command. No, just kidding. He set up a GoFundMe page. Dozens of these sort of GoFundMe pages have emerged over the last week in New South Wales and Queensland, with even the Defence Minister Peter Dutton 
launching one to support the Pines River community in his electorate. Yes, that's right. Instead of immediately sending troops into flood-devastated areas, Peter Dutton just set up a crowdfunding website, which uh, Scott Morrison agreed is, is exactly the role of our federal government. Uh, so I commend Peter for what he's doing. I mean, it might... I mean, I don't understand the criticism of it, frankly. And so there will be um, community responses and, and good local members will be supporting that. I have no doubt about that. Yes, precisely. I mean, it's exactly like when Cyclone Tracy flattened Darwin in 1974 and Prime Minister Gough Whitlam immediately sprang into action by evacuating spare change from everyone's wallet by passing the hat around. No, of course not. In 1974, the government immediately evacuated 35,000 people in just a few days and then set up a reconstruction commission. They didn't just set up a website, probably because it was 1974 and websites didn't exist yet. Of course, a lot of this criticism comes from the fact that the government has a $4.8 billion emergency response fund uh, sitting there ready to go that it refuses to use. Because according to Bridget McKenzie, who is the Minister for Emergency Management and National Recovery and Resilience, now is not the right time. We need to prepare for more intense uh, events, and that's exactly what this fund is for. It's not to be spent uh, yesterday. What the hell, Bridget? Didn't you hear Barnaby say this is a one in 3,500 year event? When is the right time? A one in 3,501 year event? This led to a stinging rebuke from her Labor counterpart, Murray Watt. We're now here three years on after three disaster seasons have passed. Not a cent has been spent on disaster recovery. Oh, goody. Did you hear that? Thanks to climate change, it's no longer called summer anymore in Australia. It's called disaster season. That's right. We have autumn, winter, spring and disaster season also known as wedding season. The head of the National Recovery and Resilience Agency in charge of this fund, Shane Stone, who supposedly makes $500,000 a year, tried to deny that they hadn't spent any of their money on Sky News by basically invoking the classic liar, liar, pants on fire defence. Not one cent's been spent so far out of that fund on recovery. Why not? Well, it's fake news to start with. Let me jump in. You said it was fake news. I said no money had been spent specifically on disaster recovery from that fund. That's true, is it not? Well, that's... <laughs> Look, you can, you can use... You can twist the words around, Tom. Ah, yes, clearly from the Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin school at media training. If someone confronts you with the truth, yell, fake news. Turns out that wasn't the only hot water Shane Stone was in this week because, I'm not kidding, in the middle of this unfolding disaster, he decided this was the perfect time for victim-blaming. Coordinator General of the National Recovery and Resilience Strategy, Shane Stone, causing a bit of a storm on Friday when he said that... You've got people who want to live among the gum trees. What do you think is going to happen? Their house falls in the river and they say it's the government's fault. Ah, yes, exactly the kind of empathy and support we expect from the I've got mine, now you stuff off leaders we have running the country right now. Which brings us to the role of government in natural disasters like this. Now, the Morrison government loves saying it's their job to keep Australians safe. My priority is to keep Australians safe. Our job is to keep Australians safe. And we need to ensure that we can keep Australians safe and secure. But of course, they really only mean that when it involves doling out billions of dollars to companies like Harvey Norman and defence contractors. When it comes to everyday people like you and me being kept safe, well, we're on our own. The role of government, according to conservatives, isn't about looking after you or keeping you safe. It's about getting out of your life so you can take personal responsibility. At the end of the day, our own health is our own responsibility. What we're about is getting government out of your lives, because I think Australians have had a gut full of government in their lives over the last few years. But as a country, 
we've got to get past the heavy hand of government and we've got to treat Australians like adults. I have sympathy for Australians who've had a gutful of governments telling them what to do over the last two years. But now it's time for governments to step back and for Australians to take their lives back. We don't need to tell Australians how to get out of bed in the morning and how to put their shoes and socks on and things like that. It's true, it's not the role of government to tell us how to put our shoes and socks on, but when we're stranded on a roof in a national emergency, maybe a delivery of food and water would be nice, instead of relying on two actors who were both in Neighbours and the Saddle Club. But is anyone actually surprised by all this? I mean, Australia keeps electing these LNP idiots whose only core belief is tax cuts for the wealthy and shrinking government to the point where it just winds up being one guy from IT. You know, Trevor. Oh, he's on leave this month. There's no government. Anyways, finally on Wednesday, Scott Morrison decided to visit flood-affected Liz Moore, and with an election just around the corner, you know it was going to be very tightly controlled. The Prime Minister emerged from seven days of COVID isolation to visit flood-devastated Liz Moore. Scott Morrison's tour was tightly controlled, meeting with residents away from the media. His own ministers were worried he might get a Cabago-style reception. Ah, yes. Look, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but I went to school in Cabago, and it has made me so proud the community that I grew up in, that the thing we are most well known for now is giving Scott Morrison the reception he deserved when he showed up for a photo op the day after the town burnt down. Nah, you're an idiot, mate. Oh. You really you are. You haven't gotten any votes down here, buddy. You're not welcome, you fuckwit. And yeah, sorry, what was that before? Did, did Scott Morrison just have COVID? Scott Morrison has thanked the public for their well wishes after confirming he has tested positive for COVID-19. Yes, and I believe we have some clips of those well wishes from the general public right here. Nah, you're an idiot, mate. No not Welcome, you fuckwit! Yes, Morrison's lack of media scrutiny in Lismore led to this sick burn from Labor MP Jason Clare. You know things are bad when Scott Morrison doesn't want a TV camera on him. Whoa, that's such a deep burn. We need some volunteer firefighters down here. Anyways, some locals in Lismore did turn out to see the Prime Minister, though. The locals were less than impressed by his visit. The water is rising! Oh my God, how much of a bad Prime Minister are you when uh, the protesting locals don't just have one chant against you, but they have a whole songbook of them. In fact, I hear they're launching their own uh, compilation CD, Ministry of Drowned Annual 2022 Anti-ScoMo Summer Classic Anthems Volume 1. Morrison did eventually front the media in Lismore for a press conference, but the only thing he did to try and aid the flood recovery was regurgitate a bunch of hot air. I absolutely understand the frustration I understand the anger, I understand the disappointment, I understand the sense of abandonment. Australia is becoming a harder country to live in because of these natural disasters. I do apologise that the amount of support that has been provided and continues to be provided, I still don't believe will always meet the expectations. And with thousands of people homeless, Scott Morrison says providing accommodation is up to the state government. Wow, thanks, mate. Hard to believe someone came to the Byron Bay area and offered even less than the free hugs that all the Splendour in the Grass attendees dish out every year. But you know who was excited to be there? Recovery Minister Bridget McKenzie. It's great to be back in Lismore. The Mayor said to me, Lismore loves Lismore. And so um, I've taken that back to Canberra and to the meetings that I've been in. I'm particularly excited that we're investing in a resilient kids program. 
and I'm excited to be part of a government that's going to partner with the New South Wales government. But I do want to give a shout out to Corakai, to Broadwater, to Woodburn, to Wardell. What the hell, Bridget McKenzie? This is a national tragedy, not an exciting new opportunity for you to grow your portfolio. And why the hell are you giving shout outs to flood victims who've just lost everything? I don't remember John Howard giving shout outs to Port Arthur victims or Bali bombing survivors. Have some dignity. The Liberal government has literally no empathy and no understanding of what it's like to lose everything because, let's face it, they're all millionaires with multiple investment properties. What do you mean your home just got washed away? Hey, kick out some of your tenants in one of your investment properties, dummy. <laughs> and coincidentally, all this empty talk from the federal government happened at the exact same time that the United Nations released its devastating new climate change report. A report by the UN's climate change body out today warns it's about to get worse. Finding climate change and related extreme events will significantly increase ill health and premature deaths. While natural disasters bring imminent danger to people's lives, the report warns climate change will also lead to increased deaths and illness from heat, malnutrition, malaria and gastro. The report warns in Australia heat will reach the limit of human survivability, with parts of northern Australia becoming unlivable. Yes. Parts of Australia are going to be unlivable because of climate change and not just housing prices like they already are. And with this unprecedented climate disaster unfolding around us, the government seems to be only prioritising two things. One, more expensive military toys. The government plans to build a $10 billion nuclear submarine base on Australia's east coast. Oh goody, does anyone know if Luke Hemsworth can drive a submarine so he can rescue some flood victims that way? And if not, can Peter Dutton launch a GoFundMe so he can train him to do it? And of course, the only other thing this government prioritises while we're all either constantly on fire or drowning is more fossil fuels. Have a listen here to Energy Minister and Man Who Doesn't Know the Price of Water, Angus Taylor, a national senator slash coal miner cosplayer Matt Canavan, and their priorities during all this. Uh, we need to take control of this industry, and we, knew we should be building more coal-fired power stations because we have a lack of reliable power right now. Whether it's the Curry Curry gas generator in the Hunter Valley, uh, the Talawarra B generator in the Illawarra, uh, the Port Gimbler gas project we're supporting down in, uh, in near Wollongong. All of those projects that I've just gone through need to happen. We're investing in new supply for gas and oil in places like the Beetaloo Basin, where there's enormous potential. So in conclusion, we're in the middle of an unprecedented climate emergency, which is killing people and making vast sections of Australia uninhabitable. But this government says it's all your fault for living there and your personal responsibility to rescue yourself. And all the while, they want to keep digging up and burning fossil fuels to make the climate even worse and make the country even more unlivable than it already is. So, let's be honest. At the end of the day, this government couldn't be any worse at taking responsibility and keeping Australians safe, even if it was run by... Peanut the Squirrel. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Alrighty, everyone, that's episode 95 of News Fighters. As always, it's written, produced, and edited by me, Dylan Bain, for Sans Pants Radio. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Dilabolical or email me at Dylan at Newsfighters.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Newsfighters, where you can watch the whole episode, including clips of my dumb face. And uh, hit follow and subscribe on your podcasting app of choice. We're on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Newsfighters Pod. And I just wanted to say I did a shout out last week, uh, last episode, uh, to uh, get some gear for the show. And it was very timely because just yesterday, my 10-year-old Mac Mini, my news recording machine, my Wacky Clips baby, finally died after three years of recording the news 18 hours a day. And I can't blame it. That's more than enough news for everyone. So uh, if you want to help buy the next Wacky Clips archiving machine, I've got a uh, temporary one uh, working at the moment, but if you want to help buy the next permanent one, uh, please chip chip in on our Patreon at patreon.com slash newsfighters, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters and a big shout out to uh my big supporters uh this fortnight um pete who has signed up to be a wacky clips philanthropist on my patreon and as a result he gets a free t-shirt so thank you pete much appreciated peter um it's really going to help us uh, buy a bunch of gear we need. And also Jonathan, who supported us on Buy Me A Coffee, uh, throwing in a nice uh, chunk of cash to help keep the Wacky Clips factory churning away. So big thank you to those guys and all my other Patreons um, for keeping the dream alive. Um, and coming up, we've got our special budget episode, which is coming out the morning after the budget, the morning of... March the 30th. Uh, so make sure you, uh, that Wednesday morning, the morning after the budget, you tune in and you'll get the budget episode, the budget update, the morning after the budget. It'll be another all night budget spectacular. I think it's our fourth budget spectacular. So make sure you tune in for that. And as always, uh, uh, if you want to keep, uh, get updated when we release new episodes, sign up to our free newsletter at newsfighters.com and all these links are in the show notes i uh, often put all the links for things in the show notes and don't forget um tell your friends and write us a review on apple podcasts uh thanks for listening don't drive through floodwaters and we'll see you next time this is news fighters where we fight the news so you don't have to what sort of things does peanut do on camera planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.